Welcome to Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur, turned 50-year-old mom of a 10-year-old, actually now 11-year-old. No matter what stage and age I am, I always feel happier when I'm learning, growing, and connecting. And when I find amazing things that help me learn, grow, and connect, I naturally want to share. This is an episode in a special series about women, midlife, and menopause. My goal is to help women understand, learn, and handle the changes we experience as we age. We're obviously very different emotionally and physically at 50 than we were at 20 or 30 or 40. I just so happen to be in the perimenopausal stage of life, so much of this series focuses on what happens during the transition before, during, and after menopause. All right, I think you're with me. So today, we dive inside my own bio-universe. As you may or may not know, depending on how long you've been listening, I love experimenting on my own body and then sharing my results with whoever may benefit. I'm not shy about it. About 10 years ago, I did a one-year eating experiment during which I was on the quest for the diet that best matched my physical and emotional needs at that age and stage. I had found that I was still eating like a college swimmer when I was in my early 40s. So that wasn't working for me anymore. And what I decided to do was try a different philosophy, like a different eating philosophy every other month. And I tracked how I felt and I shared my thoughts as I went. And after one year of experimenting, I settled on a vegan diet, largely uh, influenced by my friend Rip Esselstyn and his plant strong philosophy of eating, which is to eat for your best heart health, which means plant-based, plant-powered, and very little fats or added oils. So I actually felt amazing for a couple years But then things started to change for me. And um, looking back, I was probably entering my perimenopausal years. And with that eating approach, I wasn't getting enough iron or protein. And things just sort of unraveled a bit. And there I was again, trying to figure out what I should do to adjust my plan because I loved eating plants, but it wasn't quite enough. I was still missing something. Actually, I'm just going to say that no matter where we are, we're always on a quest for the greatest, latest, best thing for our health. And as soon as we find it, sadly, this is one of the things about, especially about perimenopause and menopause, our hormones shift, our hormones change, and those things may or may not continue to work for us. So it's like we are just these moving targets, rambling around the earth, having moments of glory and then go, oh my gosh, that stopped working. What next? All right. Well, that's what we're going to dive into today. So we're going to fast forward to today where I'm still on a quest to figure out the very best foods to uh, nurture and sustain my greatest health. So in order to do that, I decided to find a tool that would help me monitor and track what's going on inside my body. So last spring... I discovered Inside Tracker, a super easy to use solution for people to learn more about their bodies through their blood. Yes, this is how we do it. So I was beyond excited when Inside Tracker actually agreed that menopause is a journey worth supporting and became my podcast sponsor for this series. As part of the journey, I am going to share my test results and the recommendations that come from them with you today. So let's lay the foundation. I did a blood draw with Inside Tracker. You're going to learn a lot more about their service in just a few minutes. I did one in May 22, May of 2022 and again in December of 2022. So I think that's seven-ish, six, seven, eight months apart. Um, And I got my results. And while many biomarkers are doing great, others are not. I consider myself an incredibly healthy person, but there are certainly some areas where I am not, I didn't even know. 
So instead of hiding the negatives and only sharing the positives, which is something we often see these days on social media, I'm just going to share them all with you, good, bad, and ugly. Um, And I'm going a step further by having Michelle Darian, one of Inside Tracker's registered dietitians, analyze my results on the air and give me recommendations for improvement. For a little background, Michelle is a registered dietitian and the marketing manager of science and product at Inside Tracker. She graduated from University of Wisconsin Madison with degrees in dietetics and global health, and later completed master's programs in nutrition, interventions, communications, and behavior change, and in public health, epidemiology, and biostatistics. In other words, those are a lot of big words. <laughs> and uh, what it says to me is that her expertise is both deep and diverse, which you'll, I think, figure out today. She's, uh, she's f- so fun to talk to, um, as you'll hear in just a moment, so personal and very open and as, as she relates her own journey to uh, where she is today. All right, before we go, you may be like, all right, pause. I'm just going to do this inside tracker thing right now before I even listen. So if you want to play along with me, you can get 20% off the entire inside tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. That's right. Insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. All right. It is time to learn more about our blood guts and how we can improve our health from the inside. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am too. This is going to be super fun. Um, I love having an expert on board to pick apart my own issues and positive things. So it's going to be really cool to have your expertise to share about my Inside Tracker journey. Um, but I want to start off by having you explain what it is you do at Inside Tracker. Yeah, that's a great question. So at Inside Tracker, um, I'm currently the marketing manager of product and science. Um, so there's a lot of different kind of departments within that one, um, kind of that one job title. But basically what I do is I kind of sit at the intersection of the product team, science team, and then marketing team. So right, what that looks like right now is basically translating the science that all of the science team uh, works on um, into basically communications that marketing can then use. Um, and then also product updates um, and bringing that kind of into the marketing experience as well um, at Inside Tracker. And it's interesting. So I've I've worn a number of different hats um, during my almost five years now at Inside Tracker. So I actually started off as an intern on the science team, um, doing some of the research behind the recommendations that we have on the platform. Um, and then basically kind of where I found my my niche was in the in that scientific communication. So basically taking all that science and research that everyone is working on and kind of bringing that into different communications, whether that's written or visual or um, verbal. Okay, so here's the cool thing. There are certain fields where you just feel like someone is speaking a different language, like the science behind your blood would most likely be one of those fields. So it was really interesting to hear that, A, you understand the science, but you actually need a translator to make it something that us, you know, regular humans who have not studied in depth um, those, those topics can understand. And that's why it's so cool that you're here today because you're basically going to be a translator. So you are using your actual job description on the podcast. Congratulations, (laughs) Michelle. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) So how did you decide to pursue this career path? Yeah. So it all, it all kind of came to a head um, when I was was around 16. Um, So basically when I was around 16, I started to think a lot about the food that I was consuming. So I think I just started to feel like I started to feel very tired. Um, I was starting to just, um, just not feel so good in my body. And, um, I actually made the decision, um, to go vegetarian. And that was after reading the book, the blue zones. Um, so when I learned more about the blue zones, it was, it's basically the pockets of the world where people tend to live, um, longer lives. And I got really interested in all of the different, um, factors that go into kind of living that longer life based on those blue zones. 
And so what I ended up doing after reading that book was becoming a vegetarian, um, just because I thought that was it, one of the things that was kind of a common theme in the blue zones is that they follow kind of that more Mediterranean style diet, uh, which is more, you know, plant forward, um, healthy fats, whole grains, things like that. And so I just kind of decided to go vegetarian and see how it would affect me. Um, and I actually started to feel so great. I started to sleep really well. Um, I just kind of noticed differences in my mood. Um, and I just got really interested in kind of, um, why that was kind of why that was the case. And I was somebody who was always interested in science. I think something that, um, everyone who knows me will say is that I'm always just kind of asking why I always want to know why or how, or how does this work or why does this happen, um, in this specific way? So, um, I think I just really wanted to understand why I was feeling so good after making some of these dietary changes. Um, and so I actually ended up pursuing nutrition science, um, at the university of Wisconsin. Um, and that kind of led me into more of a population health, um, role and interest in, um, for my master's degree. And, um, I just got really interested in how we can basically use technology to help people live healthier and longer lives. So I love this. Um, it's so funny. I also read the blue zones and I love Dan Buettner's work. And, uh, I guess there's also the happiness blue zones, which don't necessarily coincide with the longevity blue zones. And I think you're right. One of the things that hit me about that whole topic of where, you know, where people live the longest, what are the patterns that connect these cultures? One of them was nutrition. And it was about like eating healthy foods that you actually go into your garden every day and dig up and clean and eat, you know, and like preparing fresh right. food every day. And most of them ate very little meat or fish. They just ate it on special occasions, or there would just be like a little broth that was in the, you know, veg veggie or plant-based meals. So I too, um, I, I feel you there and I love that work and I love the concept, but, and I will exp uh, share with you as well. I um, went through a period where I went hardcore vegan and like you, I felt so great, but it was like a honeymoon. It didn't quite last. It lasted for a couple of years. And I wondered, mm -hmm. are you still vegetarian or did you also experience a bit of a honeymoon? Yeah, that's a good, that's an interesting question since I just kind of made a switch recently. Um, so I was actually vegetarian for, I think about 11 years and I didn't make any switches. Um, and then more recently I realized that, so based on some of my, um, cholesterol levels that it might be beneficial for me to start incorporating more fish back into my diet. And so I've been pretty purposeful about eating fish twice a week, um, to try to boost some of my HDL cholesterol levels. Um, but other than that, yeah, I've maintained being a vegetarian, um, besides having that fish twice a week. And it's really interesting. I'm trying to, I'm trying to basically hack some of those levels and watch them, um, come up and they're not necessarily, um, associated with any differences in how I'm feeling. Um, and so I felt really good about the fact that I didn't like feel any noticeable differences when I started to incorporate a new food back into my diet. Um, but I'm just trying to watch and see how it affects my blood work. You know, it's so cool. Um, I, you're, it's like you're employing both this uh, a scientific analyst approach to your blood and also uh, a more philosophical approach. And I've always wondered if there really is any basis for this concept of, and I'm doing air quotes, listening to your body. And if your body's like, I really need some fish then you actually need the fish or are you coming at it purely from a scientific angle? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it really just depends on um, what the, what the actual, I would say symptom that someone's experiencing is. Um, so in my specific case, um, I wasn't feeling the need to like my, like just listening to what my body was needing. Um, it wasn't telling me that I would need to incorporate a new type of food. Um, if we're just thinking about, at it that way, but there are certain cases when that is there, there are certain instances when that is the case. Um, but for me, it was just more so of trying to improve some of those cholesterol markers and there aren't really any symptoms associated with, um, with a lower or suboptimal cholesterol markers, but, 
Um, we do know that they impact um, lifespan and, and longevity and things like that. So that was kind of more of the angle I was um, approaching it from in my specific case. But that being said, there are a ton of um, more analytical markers that can be connected to how someone is feeling. I, yeah. And I so appreciate I appreciate your approach to this as well. And it's kind of a blend, you know, but I love it. Um, I was thinking about, okay, so you've, you've decided to study this field. You've gone on this path. Um, do you ever find yourself not it like too wrapped up in thinking about food and the things that go in your body? You know, is there that danger when you get this deep into a career like the one you have? Yeah, that's a great question. And that was something that I thought a lot about when I, I would say particularly when I was in grad school, um, just because I was kind of, you know, studying it, you know, all day long. So that I think that was something um, that I did experience. I thought, and I also have some of those fitness trackers um, and all of that. And so there, there did come a point where I kind of felt like I, like there was just kind of too much data and I needed to kind of take a step back and think about like how I'm feeling and how I can, um, you know, have like a very like sustainable approach to nutrition and lifestyle and, and all of that too, and not, um, be so hard on myself. And I would say that, that like, I think that's a kind of a lifelong journey really, um, of just kind of, kind of taking that balance between being very analytical and also um, being kind of like realistic and, and all of that too. So I would say it's, I, and I don't really have, I'm not really sure exactly how I kind of dialed that back. Um, I think part of it is just kind of like when I needed to was taking off the fitness trackers for a bit and like the sleep tracking and all of that. Um, and I've never been one to like to log food or anything like that. Um, so I think that also kind of helped there. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. Um, as part of my history, I was a pro athlete and mm -hmm. I used to, you know, train with a heart rate monitor and be a little more scientific about what I was doing. And as soon as I was done being a professional athlete, I like put away my heart monitor, probably threw them away. I have no idea. And I've never touched them since. And it's all been about feel and the joy of fitness and working out. So I appreciate, I think you're just in, you're in a career that can make that tough. So I appreciate that you've been able to do that for yourself. I think it's cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So wait, really quick. I want to make a quick note. So we're sitting here talking about vegan and vegetarian. There's a lot of people listening who love their bacon, who love their burgers, who eat meat, who are on carnivore diets and keto diets and stuff like that. Um, I just, I, I guess my point is I want to make sure they don't feel excluded from the conversation. And, um, I wonder if there's <laughs> science to support that, very different diets work for different people. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really important part of the conversation too. Um, and it just it just kind of so happened that being vegetarian was what worked really well for my body. And just as a registered dietitian, I've seen different types of diets work really well for different people. Um, just depending on their chemistry and their makeup, their biology, um, and all of that too. And so, what I will say is that if if someone um, feels really great on, on a different type of diet. And then their blood work indicates that, um, things are kind of normal and that's working for them. Then that's, I think that's really important too. So I think it's really just about, um, I think a lot of things here are kind of trial and error really, um, where it's just kind of finding what exactly works best for each individual person since, um, we're all, all of our bodies are unique. Yes. Okay. I love that. All right. Well, and that's exactly what Inside Tracker does. Let's actually, everyone listening, we all know that Inside Tracker is our sponsor for this series. And um, I was so lucky to come across Inside Tracker back in the day to uh, be able to forge this partnership and to be able to personally gain some insight into you know my own systems. So I think it would be cool for us to go through the inside tracker process. Since you are an insider at Inside Tracker, I thought maybe you could help guide us a little bit. You know, and the first thing people need to do is realize, I think wake up and realize that they can take charge of their own health from the inside out. 
Um, do you have any thoughts on that concept? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's a really important concept. So um, I think that being able to kind of um, take control of your own health is super important because it's one of those things too, where it's, if you don't kind of take control of it, there's not really many people who are going to make you do it, I, I would say, or kind of like nudge you. I mean, maybe the people you love around you will nudge you in the right direction, but I think it's really important to be able to kind of, you know, be able to take autonomy over your own health. And I think that different services, different um, things that we talk about, or even just having more information can really help people to take autonomy over their health. Um, and I think it's also really important that when taking autonomy over over your health, you are knowing basically what's kind of working for your body and what isn't. Um, so I would say just as a dietitian, I think one of the most common things I hear from people also um, is that like they think that they're doing all these great things for their health and they're really surprised to learn um, about like certain biomarkers that are suboptimal or that they're still not feeling um, as well as they're hoping to feel, um, even though they're doing all of these really great things for their health, which are super important. So I think it's kind of twofold. So being able to take autonomy, autonomy over your health um, by implementing habits that work really well for you, um, but then also measuring it and tracking it and also checking in on yourself and saying like, okay, is this working for me? I, I agree. And you know, I think until fairly recently, most of us and many people probably still are under the impression that you cannot go out and get your blood measured and drawn and learn about this stuff without first going to the doctor and having them order your test. And then when the test comes in, they just leave you a call and give you a call and they they say, everything's normal. Like, and it may be normal on a, you know, a general level of, for instance, I remember back in the day, the, the levels for ferritin normalcy were like three to 100 and mine was four. And so the doctor mm -hmm. said, everything's normal. And I said, can I see a copy of this? And they sent me a copy and I was like, my ferritin's four. It might be normal to the general population, but it wasn't normal for me as a female athlete trying to perform. So I feel like we we have been in the dark for a really long time and to finally understand and learn that you can go out. You don't have to go to the doctor first. You can go out and you can simply go over to the Inside Tracker website and decide what you want to measure. You know, so I think that's a really big point to make here is that people, there is no blockade. There is no like rock in the road. You can just walk straight over to insidetracker.com and, you know, pick your poison here per se. <laughs> so, uh, you know, on that note, maybe you can talk us through some of the products that Inside Tracker offers on the site. Yeah, definitely. And I totally agree that I think it's um, really important to note that you don't, um, you don't need basically the okay from somebody else to be able to get your blood work done if that's something that you're interested in. So I totally agree with all of that. Um, so with Inside Tracker, we offer a few different options. Um, I would say their most popular option is the actually the most comprehensive option, um, which is the ultimate plan. Um, so basically Inside Tracker's ultimate plan measures 44 different biomarkers. Um, so there will be some biomarkers that you may have heard of just base, based on um, what a physician might measure. So like your blood glucose or your HbA1c, your LDL cholesterol. And then we also go above that and basically and measure other biomarkers that are really associated with optimal health. So just as an example, we just added apolipoprotein B to the panel, um, which is a great one when measuring your heart or when assessing your heart health. Um, and we also measure cortisol, vitamin D, ferritin, um, as you mentioned. So that would be Inside Tracker's ultimate plan, which is the most comprehensive option. Um, if you were just kind of getting started and wanting to learn more about your health, maybe you haven't gotten your blood tested from a physician recently, I think the essential plan is also a great option um, because basically what that does is it, it measures 13 biomarkers that are just, that can give you a baseline um, of where you're at. So that's also a great option. Um, and then something that I think is really beneficial and something that I've seen um, customers really latch onto is the concept of adding um, Inside Tracker's inner age calculation onto the ultimate plan. So basically, what that does, uh, it's basically so inner age is is basically um, Inside Tracker's form of biological aging measurement. So basically, what it does 
is it looks at the biomarkers that are most strongly correlated with aging in inside tracker's own customer data um, and basically can tell somebody what their biological age is based on their recent biomarker levels. Um, so that it's different for males and for females. Um, so it's separated a bit there just based on the different correlations with aging. Um, but that's um, an interesting, I would say it sounds kind of complex when uh, when I describe it, but it's actually, it gives you a really nice simple number. Um, so it'll say, okay, so let's say um, your chronological age. So the age on your birth certificate is 45. Um, it can show you how either how you're aging compared to that 45, whether that's um, faster or slower. This is so cool because I did the inner age and I can't wait for us to talk about it. I had one where I was like, <laughs> Yahoo! And one test where I was like, what? So um, <laughs> yeah, and it makes you go, God, I, I got some work to do. You also offer a DNA an analysis, right? Yes, we do. So something that um, customers can also do is add um, a DNA analysis um, to their plan. So basically what our DNA product does is it measures um, your your either your risk or your potential for having a suboptimal biomarker level. Um, so I think it's easiest to kind of understand through an example. Um, so let's say you get your blood work done and your LDL cholesterol level comes back high. I think it's really beneficial to know what your genetic predisposition is to having that high cholesterol levels. Um, so basically you can get your um, DNA taken um, and basically what that measures is whether you have an elevated risk for having that higher um, LDL cholesterol level or reduced risk for having that lower uh, or that higher LDL cholesterol level. And basically when you know your genetic potential or your genetic risk for having these, um, these specific levels, it can basically help you to prioritize what recommendations um, come next. So I can just give an example that I use for myself. So actually um, the reason I started to incorporate fish back into my diet. Um, so I got my blood levels back. My HDL cholesterol levels were consistently low. And then when I got my DNA scores back, I realized that my DNA was actually not impacting my, my HDL cholesterol level. So it just was still low. So basically my interpretation of that was, okay, so it is kind of within my control or within my specific lifestyle habits to be able to say, um, it, it's likely not the DNA. So I should, do, I should make a change within my lifestyle. Did it so actually, um, did eating fish change it? It is starting to improve. Yeah. Yay. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. HDL also is a bit stubborn. So it's, you know, it's kind of the long game um, with HDL cholesterol, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it, I am, I am starting to see it improve, um, which awesome. I love to see. Awesome. Okay. This is getting good. Okay. So people go on the site, uh, you guys listening, you are going to pick your product that you want to, you know, start with. And I ended up doing the ultimate because I really wanted to dig in deeply and I've been looking at my blood work for years. So I recommend it. But if you want to just start at the baseline, like Michelle said, the essentials, perfect. Um, so getting the blood draw, this was also like a big seem like a barrier. You know, I'm like, I live in Steamboat Springs, this tiny town in the mountains. I don't have a place that I can walk in and, and get my blood drawn. Um, it might be good to actually, Michelle, can you share how people who are near um, locations can find their uh, blood draw site? Yeah, definitely. So after you purchase an inside tracker plan, um, you'll then and be, um, you'll be taken to a page that can help you figure out how to schedule your blood draw. So you have a couple of different options. Um, if you happen to live near a Quest Diagnostics, um, then you can take a lab slip um, that you'll receive from Inside Tracker, and then go over to a Quest Diagnostics, and then you get your blood drawn by a phlebotomist there. Um, and all you need to do is bring the lab slip. Um, but if you don't happen to live near a Quest Diagnostics, um, then there's also an option to do a mobile blood draw. So basically what that means is that um, a third-party service will send over a, um, a licensed phlebotomist to either your home or your work or wherever works best for you um, to get your blood drawn. And so in my case, I opted for the at-home um, you know, traveling phlebotomist. I love that title. Um, and I've had two experiences now, and they were both fantastic 
fantastic. Because one of the first things for people like me is that we don't want to wait too long in the day to get our blood drawn because we like our morning coffee. It's like the hardest thing in my life on my blood draw days is I have to wait for my coffee. But my um, phlebotomists both came very early, like first thing in the morning, uh, even before eight o'clock. And uh, I was really excited about that. And then also it was like the easiest process ever. It's not like I had to clean my house and create a sterile environment and all that. They literally had everything ready to go. Um, They had their at-home kit and they just made it super easy for me. We weren't digging around for veins and all that stuff that makes you kind of freak out. It was simple. And that's one of the other things is people go, this is going to be too hard to do. It was not hard at all. And yeah, I think it cost $99 for the at-home Um you know, option. And uh, it was well worth it for me to save me from driving three hours to a Quest Diagnostics. So I just wanted to share that as well. Do you have any more thoughts for people who opt for the at-home experience? Um, I think you, I think you touched on some of the great points. So it's, um, it's very, it's very seamless kind of situation. So someone will come to your house. Um, It just takes a few minutes to get your blood drawn. Um, It's very, it's convenient. You can, then go about your day or have your morning coffee, like you mentioned. Um, and yeah, it can just be kind of a, it's a, it helps to make it part of someone's routine. I would say, uh, when it kind of like they come to you and it fits nicely within your lifestyle. So super yeah, easy. Um, and, uh, both of them were fine with a crazy puppy. So there you go. <laughs> okay. So let's get into now you do nothing until your results magically appear on your inside tracker app, or you can log in, you know, on an actual, uh, desktop. So now you review, and this is what's cool because a lot of the results, whenever you're looking at blood work, you're like, I don't even know what that is. Whatever this marker, you know, abbreviation is, I don't know what it is and what it does for me and why having a high or low or perfectly mid range marker would affect my life. But on Inside Tracker, when your results pop up, you immediately have an analysis and an explanation of what each marker, you know, is, where you're at, and what you can do to improve it. Did I nail that, Michelle? Should I work for Inside Tracker? I was just going to say you might <laughs> you might take my job. <laughs> I mean, I'm not this is yeah, Inside Tracker is a sponsor for this series, but like I'm literally just so blown away by what they offer and how easy they make it for us. And that's partly due to you, the translator, making it easy for us like layman to understand. But um, I thought it might be really fun to actually share with the audience my results, good and bad, and uh, even to talk through some of the X factors because even within the perfection of science, there are always things that may skew a little bit here and there. So what do you think, Michelle? Are we ready to dig in a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Awesome. awesome. So like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so like you mentioned, uh, we'll start with some of those biomarkers that are optimized. And something um, that I think is really beneficial too is when and, um, and you kind of nailed it too with what you said about um, the communication aspect that we have within the platform too. Um, I think it's really important to understand kind of what a biomarker is, what it does, how you might potentially feel if you have that level suboptimal, um, because you can basically connect it to kind of your life. And I think that um, I think that knowledge is power, really. And I think when you understand why something works the way it works and how it can affect you, um, it helps you to be able to understand how to improve it. So um, I think that's a huge aspect of it. Awesome. Um, So when I looked at your results, um, I noticed that your vitamin D level was optimized, um, which is awesome. I'm wondering if you did anything specific um, for that one. For example, do you have been a supplement for that one, especially as a vegetarian? Yes. And um, I, you know, I'd have the, first of all, let's, I forgot to explain. I've done two tests and I did two tests because I wanted to have a good six months in between to see how my body has changed or, you know, reacted to some of the changes I made after the first test. And the first test was in May of this 2022. And the second test was in December of 2022. So, and there are a few other little X factors in there, but, um, 
I decided my husband's been harping on me to uh, get on vitamin D. And this is interesting because I was under the um, uh, what would the understanding that if you just went outside and spent time outside in the sun, you got vitamin D. And I do that every day. I'm outside in the sun whenever the sun is out. I do a lot of stuff outside. I'm very active. And I was like, I'm going out for my vitamin D. And I recently (laughs) someone. I think I posted this on social media like in the summer and somebody who is a dermatologist reached out and said, actually, Nicole, I love the sentiment, but you're not really getting vitamin D because of where you live. The sun, uh, basically the angle of the sun on you know your position on the earth is not able to deliver that form of vitamin D. And I just didn't know that. I was like, are you sure? And then I Googled it and I was like, ah, that's true. So to your point, yes, I have been supplementing vitamin D 2000. um, I don't know the measurement milligrams or something, but at the 2000 level daily for the most part since the May test. So I don't know if there's a difference between May and now, but that is what I've been doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you you touched on a number of really great points here. Um, So I, I would say one of the most common things I actually hear about vitamin D is that um, kind of like back to what I was saying in the beginning where, where, oh, I thought I was doing all the right things for my health. And then I realized that X biomarker was suboptimal. Um, and I hear that a lot with vitamin D actually 40% of inside tracker customers have lower, have, um, low vitamin D on their first test, um, which I think is so interesting because I think vitamin D, um, is one of the most well-known biomarkers where, uh, we know that being in the sun could, um, could potentially impact vitamin D since that's kind of what we're used to hearing. But to your point, the amount of vitamin D that you're actually able to absorb depends on so many factors. And like you mentioned, um, where you live on the earth um, really impacts it based on the solar angle. And um, other factors um, would be just kind of like your skin tone and or if you're wearing sunscreen, um, et cetera. So I would say if your vitamin D levels come back low, um, actually um, a supplement is a great way to go. Um, so I usually, as a dietitian, I usually take a food first approach. So it's usually, okay, how can we improve this biomarker with adding a specific food? Um, but when it comes to vitamin D, um, it's actually best, um, absorbed from a, it's, it is well absorbed from a supplement. So that's typically what I would say there. And so it looks like the 2000 IU is serving you pretty well. You went from 38 on your first test to 55, um, which is great. Awesome. Cool. Love it. All right. What else is optimized? We got to start with keep going on the positive here. Oh, yeah. Um, So next up, I would say is cortisol. Um, So cortisol is also known as the stress hormone. So basically, when um, when you deal with any type of stress, whether that's uh, mental stress, um, so or like emotional stress or physical stress, like being chased by a bear or something like that, your body deploys the hormone cortisol. And so basically what that does is it says, okay, so we're going to allocate the energy of your body into dealing with the stressor. Um, so it kind of gets you into that fight or flight response. So um, you can imagine where when you're getting chased by a bear, that can be super beneficial. So you can kind of have that extra surge of energy to run. Um, but you can probably imagine that when it's something like emotional stress or mental stress, um, having that elevated level of cortisol, that extra energy um, isn't always a bad, isn't always a great thing when it's happening for a prolonged period of time. Um, because then that can impact sleep. It can impact mood. Um, it can impact digestion. Um, basically so other processes in the body. So, um, I would say it's really great that your cortisol levels are optimized. Um, and they've been opt, they were optimized on your first test and your second test. Um, and I think that's a, an important one to track over time too, because it can kind of give, um, it can kind of indicate what could be happening that you might not potentially even notice. Oh, I love that. And I will say, you know, I had a very busy, um, energy draining, but in a good way career for over 15 years when I was running skirt sports and I haven't had a super busy work life for the last two years. And I've had other things that are maybe stress causing like a a spinal fusion, you know, surgery, things like that. But for the most part, my body has felt 
I have I actually realized after I ended my career at Skirt Sports that I was really tired and I feel like I've been resting for two years. And I don't know if that might affect cortisol or what it would have been a few years ago when I was in the heat of the moment. But um, I feel pretty like calm in general with my life and my approach right now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great place to be, I think. So I think that's really important. And I, um, and I think that it's important also to kind of, kind of monitor that and see how you're feeling. And I think also just, um, stress can also be inev- inevitable. So like you mentioned, um, you're, you've been able to kind of rest a bit more the last two years, which is awesome. Um, but things still do come up, like you mentioned, like surgery and treatment and, and things like that. So I think it's also about kind of, you know, building that toolbox of things um, that you can use and kind of touch on and go back to when stressful situations do arise. I so. wonder if Dan Butner has measured cortisol for the blue zones. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to research that. Okay. Side note. Um are there any other like positive or optimized markers that stand out to you? Yeah. The other one, the next one I would say would be magnesium. Um, so magnesium is a great one to optimize. Um, it can actually support uh, multiple different processes in the body. Um, it's a mineral that can help with blood pressure. It can help with blood sugar, um, the immune system, and it, it also has implications, um, for athletes and for sleep. So I just touch on a really wide range of different processes in the body, um, that can all be impacted by the mineral magnesium. Um, so that's an important one to optimize. Um, I would say one of the, one of the biggest benefits that I hear from people, um, when they're able to optimize that magnesium level is that is the difference in their sleep. Mm. So magnesium is important for sleep. It can basically help to relax the body, um, and get kind of that, um, that good night's rest. And it is also associated with being able to, um, recover your muscles while you are asleep. So a couple of different things there that I find, um, that people feel noticeably different when they're able to optimize their magnesium. I think that's really critical for the age and stage that I'm in too, which is in the perimenopausal years of age 50 for me. And many people listening are experiencing symptoms like bad night's sleep due to things like night sweats from uh, literally just going through these hormonal changes that we're in. So I love this idea that we could double down on really making sure that our magnesium is lined up as, as something that might be able to improve that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And actually magnesium is found in a number of different foods. Um, it, it can also be taken as a supplement. So it's actually in a very diverse range of foods too. So like salmon, quinoa, dark leafy green vegetables, um, all in different food groups and all have magnesium. So it can be something that people can get through food. And if it, if that doesn't happen to be able to help that's specific level, um, then a supplement is always an option as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, let's move on. What else are you seeing in my blood work? Yeah. So maybe we'll move, um, to a couple of things that were not optimal on this test. So, um, I'll start, (laughs) I'll start with the white blood. Okay. (laughs) Um, so with your white blood cells, so on your first test in May, um, we saw that your white blood cell count was optimal. Um, but that was actually, it actually came back lower on your second test, um, which was your more recent one. Um, so that's, it's, it's really interesting. And I would, I always do say that white blood cells are best um, assessed over multiple tests. So basically what that means is it's important to be able to establish your baseline levels of white blood cells, and then, um, use that kind of that baseline and see how that's trending over time. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest benefits of retesting, um, your blood and being able to track it is that you can see, um, how specific changes, whether that's a lifestyle habit or something that's happened um, otherwise is impacting your blood work. Um, so I noticed that your white blood cell count decreased. I'm wondering if you happen to be sick or recently sick um, at the time of your blood test. Yes. Um, okay. I was. In fact, I am still having a little bit of side effect from a cold that I got in late October. So I tested for COVID. It said I I was negative, but you never know. Maybe I had COVID because I feel like I have long COVID. (laughs) It's just like not quite going away. So 
even two months after I started coughing and having this cold, it was still ongoing at the time that I got my blood drawn in mid-December. So that can affect your white blood cells. They can go down. I always thought they went up when you were sick because they were trying to fight things. Yeah. So that's actually, it's a great point. So basically, and I'm sorry to hear that you weren't feeling well um, also, but with, so with white blood cells, um, so basically what happened happens is when your body detects anything that shouldn't be there. So whether that's a foreign pathogen, um, whether that's a bacteria, virus, something like that, it recruits your white blood cells to be able to get rid of it from the body. Um, so what that does, um, is it basically, it, it gives you the white blood cells and specifically neutrophils, um, which are the most abundant type of white blood cell, um, to be able to go into the body, try to remove it. So at a very, very acute response, um, sometimes that can be elevated, like you mentioned, um, because it is being recruited to try to get rid of them from the body. But actually what happens after is that they start to decrease um, because basically they have a very short lifespan. Um, So neutrophils are, they go out, they try to remove the pathogens and they themselves could then end up dying. Um, So with those neutrophils being a bit lower on this blood test, it's kind of no surprise that your white blood cell count was also lower on this test. Um, But it's, it's interesting too. And I think it's important to note that that's, it's because it's, it is probably likely that it was due to you not feeling well um, at the time of your test, but because you had that baseline level that was in that optimal zone, um, we're also able to kind of tease out why that could have been the case. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So what else is uh, non-optimized right now for me? Yep. So the next one I would say, so when I was looking at some of the um, biomarkers that can be, um, that can be elevated based on um, some of the activities that you do. um, So I was, so I'm just curious, um, what was the proximity of your last strenuous workout to your, uh, to your blood test? The day before. And I might have done two workouts, actually. I do uphill skiing, which is very hard. And um, I also do fitness classes. <laughs> so I definitely did one of or both of those things the day before. Okay. Um, so that can actually give um, an acute response for some of these blood biomarkers. Um, so the one I'll talk about here is creatine kinase. So creatine kinase is an enzyme that is stored actually in your muscle tissue. And so when you're working out at higher levels and kind of like you said, like you mentioned with those two workouts the day before, sometimes what that can do is it when you're, so basically when you're working out, your muscles are breaking down in order to build back up. Um, so in that process, um, enzymes that are stored in that muscle tissue can then be elevated in your bloodstream. So creatine kinase is a good example of that. So that biomarker can be elevated um, following following a workout and um, so, and that's, um, that's a normal acute response, but what I will say is that if it remains elevated over time, um, that can be kind of detrimental to kind of that building muscle. Um, so something I always ask too, is if, um, if you feel like you get enough protein, um, throughout the day, specifically on the days that you're working out. No, <laughs> I do not. I need to get yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that seems like a really great place to start then. Um, so whether that's through a protein supplement, um, like a protein powder or um, through any plant-based sources, like um, whether it's edamame or soy or um, or like a tofu or tempeh or something like that, um, that can also be um, helpful for some of those um, those markers that are impacted by um, by different exercises. Okay, can we go down a rabbit hole real quick? Let's do it. It's the protein rabbit hole. So pretend I don't care about eating any specific way. What is the mm-hmm. best bang for your buck protein that you can put in your body that your body can actually absorb? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And so I would say um, it would be the ones that are those essential amino acids. Um, so basically with the essential amino acids, they're the ones that you're not, your body is not producing on its own. Um, so I would say if you're going to, um, try to get some of that protein, I think the branched chain amino acids are a great place to start because those are the essential amino acids. So how do you get that? Um, I think a supplement could be a good way to to do that. Um, you can also do any sort of a complete protein source as well, whether that's, um, with a, with an animal based protein, uh, which would be that complete, um, that complete animal 
a complete protein source. Um, and it can also, you can also get complete protein sources by um, combining um, non, not animal products as well, whether that's like a rice and bean combination. So okay. there's multiple different ways to do it. Um, and I think it's um, really dependent on a person's habits and preferences. Okay. Got it. Cool. All right. Anything else stand out for you from my blood work? Let's see. Um, I would say um, the other ones um, would be the DHEAS um, and the SHBG. So those are two hormones um, that are um, within the body and they actually um, tend to change over time, I would say with age. So a couple of different things that can impact these two hormone levels. Um, so like I mentioned, would be age. And then also um, a couple of different lifestyle factors like stress, sleep, um, getting enough um getting enough calories throughout the day and then, um, having healthy fats. So we talked a little bit about stress and sleep, which seem to be going well. Um, so I'm kind of ruling those out as to why those two levels would be a bit decreased. Um, and then I'm just wondering, do you feel like you get enough calories throughout the day and particularly calories from fats? I think I do, but I feel like my body needs another change in the way I'm eating. Like when I'm eating meals, a lot of times I get more tired than energized. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just, I I feel like maybe I want to blame everything on this menopause journey, like, and maybe I can, but I just feel yeah. like as soon as you feel that you have nailed it and you have found the perfect fit for you, your diet is just ex helping you feel great, something changes. And I feel like I'm in that phase of like something changing again. So you're saying that those hormones for me are low, which might make sense because this is just such a hormonal journey that I'm entering. Um, so I don't know what I could do differently to help increase them. Actually, that's something I love about what Inside Tracker does. You are basically being our live recommender today. And in the app, if somebody or on the website, if somebody was looking at their own results inside tracker would provide this information. So it's cool because you get to do it for me today. So on that note, though, what can I do to help increase those? Yeah, that's a great point. So I would say um, I would ask uh, uh, what healthy fats that you're currently consuming um, and then where we can add a few more in. Um, so I'm just curious if you have foods like avocados, olive oil, nuts and seeds, um, any nut butters, anything like that? Yes, a lot of that stuff. And I've started eating yogurt again and um, eggs a bit and uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay. The occasional cheese, the occasional cottage cheese, a little more of like a vegetarian than vegan uh, focus. Awesome. Okay. That's great. And then how about some of those dark leafy green vegetables, um, like spinach, broccoli? Yeah, I do eat, um, green veggies almost every day. My body craves it. Okay. That's awesome. Um, and then how about, um, specific protein sources? Yeah, that's where I'm lacking. Okay. <laughs> so I think, um, so I think that can also be beneficial there. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering maybe for protein sources, things like, Black beans um, can be a great option. Um, it's interesting. So quinoa can be a great option too. It actually does have some protein in it as well. Um, anything like that gonna stick out? Oh yeah, for sure. And um, we do a lot of beans, rice and beans. Quinoa is like not my favorite food because it, I don't know mm -hmm. why. It just doesn't. It doesn't do it for me. But I do have a bag of it in the pantry because I know it has protein. Um, and if I lived right next to the ocean, I would eat fish every day, but we just don't have quite as great access to fresh, awesome seafood, but I do want to start to add some fish back in. I feel like I'm on your path, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, that can be a great option too. I think, um, so there's a lot of, a lot of great nutrients that can come from fish and seafood and things like that. And so that was something that um, was available or you're open to incorporating, um, that can also be an option as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, can we talk a little bit, unless there are other markers that we want to hit on here, 
Can we talk a little bit about why my inner age went up five years? So let me just tell everyone listening. So the inner age is that add-on test where Inside Tracker basically kind of puts a formula around your results and says like, this is how old or young you are inside your body. And um, the first test I had, I was like 47.9 or something. And I was like, awesome, I'm two years younger than I am. And I want to improve it to 10 years younger. And then I got the second test back and it was like, you're 52 and a half. And I was like, I'm only 50. (laughs) Why did it go up? So can you talk a little bit about that and what I might be able to do to give myself a little blue zones kind of boost? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, so basically what's interesting too, is that um, when you get your results um, for your inner age, you're able to see exactly which biomarkers are contributing to adding years to your inner age and then which ones are subtracting years from your inner age. Um, so I think part of it, so with the DHEAS and then the SHBG, I'm going, I am going to agree with you that I'm going to blame that on kind of the transition that you're kind of experiencing at this moment um, with those hormones. And so I'm curious to see how some of those dietary dietary alterations and things like that, and just kind of your hormones after this transition um, are different. So um, would definitely be curious to see how that impacts it. So, but what I will say is that there are a couple of other ones that are, I would say are more um, with kind of within your control too. And something that I always like to say with inner age is that it's kind of important to control the controllables, right? So there's certain things that we can't always, um, can't always control. Like if it's um, kind of like transitioning into menopause, um, but there are other ones like LDL cholesterol and then HbA1c um, that have a ton of great recommendations that you can start to incorporate, um, improve those biomarker levels, and then start to decrease at inner age. So I think what I would say um, here would be LDL cholesterol being one of the ones that's contributing to adding years to your age, and then also HbA1c, which is a blood sugar measure um, that's contributing years as well. So I'm curious, do you happen to um, incorporate fiber into your diet? Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Yes, tons of fiber, but this will be interesting because I'm going to get my DNA results back soon. And I do know that on my mom's side, there is a a diabetic back like history in her family and she's got high blood sugar. And I wonder if some of that might be genetic. So that would be interesting. Um, And also with the cholesterol, I just don't know. I feel like we all go cholesterol is this one of those like magic button markers where you're like, if you have high cholesterol, you can have a heart attack tomorrow. And if you have your cholesterol's at 150, you are heart attack proof, you know, like so I don't really know what to think or do. I don't eat too much differently than I did when I had my cholesterol was 150 and my LDL was really good or my HDL was really good. So I don't know. I just, it's hard to put a finger on it sometimes. Yeah, that's super interesting. And so something I would also say is that sometimes if it's kind of maintained at that same level, I would be really curious to see what your apolipoprotein B level is. Um, so that's the, the biomarker that Inside Tracker has most recently added to the ultimate plan, um, because that can help to explain whether that's um, whether that LDL cholesterol level is kind of that best indicator, or um, if your ApoB level is optimized, what that can sometimes mean is that um, is that that those levels are actually um, acceptable. So, like, are kind of within like a lower risk category. So, I would be really curious to see what that one looks like, and and then that in combination with your DNA as well. Well, we're gonna have to do another episode in six months. I'm gonna work on that it. That sounds great. Um, so if we, you know, as we're kind of starting to wrap here, I know that some people listening are just like, I'm with you. Same, same. Oh, I can't wait to find out about my, you know, inside workings, all of that stuff. One of the last things about inside tracker is, and I mentioned this already, once you get your results, they do provide um, they provide recommendations. And fortunately today I had you, Michelle, to talk me through my personal recommendations. But even if you weren't here, I could just literally turn on notifications and it'd be like, eat more protein today, <laughs> you know, take your protein supplement, whatever it is. And I find that like, that is the other thing 
that in the old school way of trying to understand your blood work, you just literally get the blood work and then you sit there and stare at it and you go, I don't know what to do with this. And that's one thing that I do love about Inside Tracker is that it can give us actionable next steps. Yeah, I think that's a huge, that's a hugely important component of it too. So being able to analyze your biomarkers is important, but it's kind of the what comes next component of it. So it's the actions taken. And I will say that all the recommendations that are on the platform have so much peer-reviewed research behind them. Like the Inside Tracker Science Team criteria for even adding a recommendation to the platform is quite strict. And let's say just as an example, um, we know that dark leafy green vegetables are great for health, but if we don't have, you know, three to 10 sources like of peer-reviewed research that say that this particular vegetable is actually really great for this specific biomarker level, then it won't be added to the platform. Um, So you can definitely be assured that all of the recommendations that are on the platform have been very thoroughly reviewed. Oh, I love that. You know, I actually have one more marker that I wanted to mention before we wrap today. Um, I noticed that my hematocrit was high and it's interesting because as a pro athlete, there's this concept that is um, called illegal blood doping. And uh, you get tested as a pro to make sure that you're not taking illegal substances to help your performance. One of the things that athletes would try to get away with is increasing their hematocrit. And um, so you want a super high hematocrit because you want more red blood cells to carry that oxygen through your body, right? Um, and I happen to live at altitude. So I live at somewhere between 6,500 and 7,000 feet. So would you say that my high hematocrit may be due to ha- living in a high altitude place? Yeah, that's actually something that we see um, commonly at people in people who live at altitude. Um, so that is something um, that I would actually attribute to, to where you currently live. Well, and it's interesting because I was sharing this info with my husband, who's also was a pro athlete, and he's a little more of like a science nerd on stuff. And he goes, well, it's awesome that your hematocrit's high, like you could perform great, except your ferritin's not helping you at all because it's still pretty darn low. So I don't know if, you know, that's a correlation that you saw, but that's immediately where his mind went was like, let's get your iron up and then you can keep up with me better. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. And I think it's something that you mentioned um, at the beginning too, where um, with ferritin levels, I think just based on like with no context of whether you're an athlete or a female or things like that, um, when you get your standard blood work back and you see ferritin levels, the optimal zone is quite, or sorry, the normal zone is quite large. So that 10 to 232. But we see here that with, um, for you, the optimal place to be would be above 40. Um, and you're on the lower end of, you're on the, the lower side. So something that is, that I, that does stand out to me and is able to be detected within when looking at your optimal zones. Um, and it's interesting. So I think your husband kind of nailed it with, your hematocrit's high, so that's kind of on your side. But then your ferritin level is low, um, which could which could potentially be um, contributing to either like a lower energy or fatigue or something like that too. Um, so I think something there that could be beneficial would be to incorporate some iron rich foods. Um, sometimes when ferritin levels are quite low on that on that lower end, um, sometimes it can be hard to absorb as much as you need from a supplement. Um, so I would say to start with some of those iron rich foods to help to improve that ferritin level. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I have read some uh, research that says women over 50, or I'm assuming they mean like women in their menopausal years should not be supplementing iron because it's a metal basically that can build up in your system and be toxic at a certain point. So there's like all of this conflicting information out there. You're like, we need it, but we don't know how to get it. And if we take it, we could be hurting our, you know, increasing our risk for dementia, you know, or whatever it is. So it's tough. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is tough. It's like, there's a lot of information out there. And also there's a lot of, a lot of things change and evolve over time too. So sometimes it can definitely be overwhelming of um, like how much research there is. Um, but what I will say is that um, iron-rich foods are a good place to start. Um, and one, one thing I also recommend is to pair um, iron-rich foods with sources of vitamin C to help to increase absorption as well. Oh, I love that. Okay. All right. We are like 
I would actually just keep going down ridiculous little rabbit holes with you for another hour if we could. But I think we have laid the foundation for our listeners. Um, You can take control of your own health, not just through your lifestyle habits, but by learning about what's actually going on inside your body. And uh, Inside Tracker is just like the coolest tool to allow you to do that easily. So I so appreciate you coming on today and sharing your expertise. I love your passion and uh, I love that you shared your own personal journey too. So thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to talk through all of the science and the product and all of the different components of what goes into kind of how we feel ourselves. Well, yeah, I'm not going to let you off that easy, though, because um, on the Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast, I ask every every guest one final question. Are you ready for it? Ready. All right. If you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? That is a great question. Um, I would say my biggest kind of piece of advice there would be to do all of the activities that you love um, with people that you enjoy being around. Um, So I think it's really important to be able to do all these activities. And we talked a lot about doing all of these great things for our health. Um, But I also think it's important to kind of incorporate um, activities, whether that's um, specific exercises or foods or in all of those types of things um, for enjoyment. And I think sometimes that component of it can sometimes be overlooked. And I think it's really important to kind of do all these things for your health, but also for enjoyment and joy. Enjoyment and joy. All right, Michelle, it's a wrap. Thanks again for sharing your expertise today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It feels good to take charge of our health and our bodies, especially at a time in life when they are doing crazy, unpredictable things. Do not forget to take advantage of our offer from Inside Tracker to be the best advocate for your own health as you can. For a limited time, Run This World listeners get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Visit insidetracker.com forward slash run this world for 20% off. Do it. And if you have questions, shoot me a note. Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com, and I will answer any questions you have. Okay, everybody, that's all I got today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and we'll see you next time.